Hello and welcome. You're listening to the SaaS Marketing Show, a weekly podcast for founders and marketers within SaaS and B2B tech. You'll be hearing from senior marketers and founders at some of the most exciting companies in the world. You can expect to hear advice, results of experiments, and exactly what's working behind the scenes of some rapidly growing SaaS and B2B technology companies. No top-level BS, actionable stuff only. My name is Dylan Hay, and I'm one of the co-founders of Hay Digital, a PPC and CRO agency that helps SaaS and B2B technology companies grow. I just happen to also be the host of this show. So when we're not interviewing senior marketers or founders, we'll be sharing behind the scenes of our business and exactly what's working for our own customers, many of whom are just like you listening to this podcast. Okay, let's get into today's show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the SaaS Marketing Show. So today I'm joined by Anya, who is the head of partnerships at Restream. So if you've listened to this show previously, you will 100% be very well aware of Restream already, as they're one of our show sponsors more, uh, more recently. Uh, but if you're new here, and this is the first time listening to this podcast, Restream is a live streaming platform that I use every single day at the moment, which allows everyone to broadcast live to 30 plus social networks at the same time and is used to power, I believe, over 8 million live streams every month. It's used by people from like everyone from gamers to SaaS companies to Fortune 500 businesses, even some celebrities. Uh, so yeah, Anya, I'm super excited to have you here on the show today. Welcome. Hi, Dylan. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited. No problem. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really pleased to bring you on and like interview you and, and talk about Restream because everyone listening to this will have heard me talk about Restream a lot. Like before each podcast, they'll have seen my live stream series that I'm doing every day on LinkedIn at the moment. And I've like, I've shared nice parts of the story about like how that's happened and, and what that's looked like. But I think it's going to be really cool to hear a bit more about um, not just Restream's like story, but more importantly, how you can make, like how you guys are doing influencer marketing at the moment and how you can make influencer marketing work. And that's going to be our kind of core topic for today because a lot of SaaS companies specifically, or a lot of people in marketing right now are thinking about, okay, um, influence marketing is a thing that everyone's talking about within like B2C companies or direct to consumer businesses. It's like, it's the, the new like marketing channel, right? But within B2B, within SaaS, within software, sometimes I wouldn't say people are, are leveraging it in the right way or approaching it too well, or even know anything about it. And so as the like head of partnerships at Restream, I'm excited to bring you on and get your experience because at Restream, you guys have things like in an interesting position where you're, you said to me before we recorded, you kind of like direct to consumer, but also B2B and have experience in running and managing a lot of influencer campaigns. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to diving deeper into influencer marketing and, and how to make that work. Um, but before we do that, let's talk a little bit about a little bit about Restream. Like, could you just set the scene for everyone that's listening to this or, or watching this and give them a bit more information about like Restream as a business and where you guys are at and how the last few months have been? Because I know they've been pretty crazy for you guys as well. Yeah, absolutely. I can actually start with a little uh, history on Restream, like how it all started uh, five years ago, because it's, I, I personally find that story very inspiring and interesting. So Restream started in late 2014, early 2015, and it was founded by two very passionate entrepreneurs from Ukraine. 
they were actually living in a small town called Vinica, and they saw the opportunity in live video. They saw that the future of content is live. And remember, that is before Mixer, before Facebook Live, before Instagram Live, before LinkedIn Live, of course, and a lot of other things that we currently take for granted as the platforms for, for going live and promoting yourself, your brand, your business. They, they saw that opportunity because at that time, video game industry was kind of pioneering that live streaming of gameplay. And they decided to build this platform that allows people to stream to multiple destinations at the same time. So basically build that amplifier for people who are looking to grow their audience and reach more people and basically share their content with, with more eyeballs, so to say. So fast forward to 2020, we passed 2 million users um, who are who are registered and uh, using Restream on a regular basis. We have people from all kinds of industries. Originally, historically, we were gearing towards gaming community and we had a lot of gameplay streamed through us, a lot of gaming celebrities, game publishers using us. But today we have fitness trainers, we have marketers, we have business, small and, and medium-sized businesses, we have churches, you name it, you know, at this point, we have all kinds of people from different backgrounds and different reasons to go live and stream using our ecosystem of tools pretty successfully. So, so that's very exciting. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you for, thank you for sharing that. And I think one thing that I've been talking a lot about recently on the podcast and on LinkedIn and, and everywhere else is that given the situation in the world over the last few months and how dramatically everything has changed, there's been this rise of um, SaaS companies, B2B businesses doing extra webinars, online events, et cetera, because they can't do in-person events. And one of the challenges that I've seen is that, um, and I've mentioned this a few times actually, is that so many of these businesses are just doing the same webinars as everybody else because they don't know what else to do, or they're just like going very few of them are even going live, but they're doing like a webinar where it's a sales pitch or a demo immediately and, and stuff like that. But actually there's such a huge opportunity to be utilizing live content within a SaaS business, within a B2B business, within any kind of businesses right now to really build deep and meaningful connections with the audience too. So you and I were talking before we hit record about how I've been like live streaming very frequently over the last few weeks. And it's been amazing in terms of like, me building deeper connections with the people that have been like following me for a long time or watching my content, et cetera. And I think there's a lot, there's still tons of SaaS companies that are missing that opportunity. And I really would encourage anyone listening to this to think about like, don't just go live for the sake of going live, but think about how you can introduce live content into what you're doing already to make it better and to improve that. So yeah, it's really cool to hear about um, the different kind of businesses you've worked with and um, all the different kinds of people that are using Restream. It's a, it's an awesome story and awesome product. I know you didn't even touch on, like this, this podcast isn't going to be the full story about Restream, right? But like one thing that right. I brought up is the story about the founders where they moved to the US without like being able to speak English and everything was done through Google Translate, right? With like VC meetings and customer support. Chats and yeah, yeah, that's a beautiful one. It is best narrated by the founder because yeah. he is still sort of, you know, English is not his native language and it's always amazing to hear like how, how much he improved, how far he has gone since, you know, those early days. But yeah, there are like great stories about them trying to raise capital from Ukraine which is already a big challenge because uh, let's face it, most of international, especially American venture funds and investors are much more eager to invest in someone who is based in the U.S. versus somewhere far away, especially if that far away is some, some really 
you know, not United Kingdom, like some country that's many people are not even familiar with. And they were struggling with that because obviously English was, was, a, was an obstacle. But even with their customer service, like there's, there was this barrier when people, when first international users started to show up and uh, reach out to our support with troubleshooting questions, onboarding. And it was kind of essential to have Google uh, translate, <laughs> open up the whole time so people could communicate, but they made it, they made it. And, uh, you know, because the product was good and it worked and even that small hardship of communication was, was kind of something that turned into a fun story at this point of time versus something that completely, that did any damage. So I, I find it fascinating and very inspiring, for, especially for people you mentioned earlier, like you should consider integrating live streaming into your strategy. And I'm sure most of us, everybody has a list of 10 reasons why this is going to be difficult. Oh, I don't know. Oh, I don't sound good. Or oh, English is my, not, not my native language. Checking in right here, obviously. The person with that same problem. I don't have the gear. I don't look good. I don't know what to say. I'm not that interesting. There's so many different reasons to tell yourself not to live stream. And yet there's one reason to, to do that because like you said, it is an innovative, amazing, interesting tool that fosters relationships and, and helps you stand out from, from other businesses. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Like I, I, I'm so on board with like the live streaming thing, especially like I, I always knew that I was, but then when I really started pushing it actively myself over the last like 15 days, I think it's been now that what we've seen as a result has been like amazing for, for us too. So like, I'm, yeah, I'm like a fully, fully on board with this too, but let's, let's talk about influencer marketing. Cause this is such a fascinating subject for me because I'm speaking every single day with like CMOs and marketing leaders at SaaS companies and software companies. And like influencer marketing is something that comes into discussions, but I'm going to be honest with you. It's only really what I see or my, my uh, kind of opinion on this so far is that the only marketing leaders within SaaS that I speak to that talk about influence marketing are the ones that are really like trying to innovate and push ahead. I think it's something that's still within SaaS specifically or B2B People are still maybe scared or just don't know how to approach this. So I'm hoping that today we'll be able to like help them out a little bit from your experience um, and clear some things up. So I, I've got in my notes that we're going to try and break down into kind of four core areas, but I know that we'll go off, off piece a little bit within some of these two. But I want us to talk about identifying influencers, some talk about budgets and how we go about setting those. I know obviously budget is different for everyone and depends on so many variables, but I think we should touch on it. Talking about how you actually build out campaigns with those influencers, like what does that look like? And then more importantly, talking about your experience from ROI and measuring that or what to measure because it's not as with any marketing activity it's not always as straightforward as people think it is as hey I put x amount in I get x amount back there's so many other benefits and, and returns so where would you like to get started like maybe maybe we could give a quick overview as to what do you think about what influence marketing looks like for restream at the moment because I know you guys do influence marketing for yourselves too I think that might be a good kind of intro for people to get an idea of what influence marketing could look like at a, at a software business. So yeah, maybe, maybe you could give an insight as to what it looks like at Restream currently. Yeah, absolutely. So it's very interesting from my personal perspective, I started to work on influencer marketing and partnerships with Restream sort of recently, just several months ago. Uh, prior to that, I was doing kind of the same thing but for other Restream businesses. So I was helping uh, game publishers and gaming companies to connect with our vast network of uh, influencers and gaming streamers and help those game publishers to leverage 
the influencer marketing channel and those streamers in promotion of their games, in supporting their game releases and, and things like that. So that was kind of an interesting uh, start for me because I was using Restream as a tool to help other people leverage our network, right? So that was, okay, this, this person comes in and says, I need more streamers to play my game. And I would be uh, trying to find the right guys, uh, negotiate with them and figure out how, how they could bring value to that publisher. So when the pandemic happened, the focus shifted big time and we realized that we actually need to leverage those tools ourselves and we need to engage the community and we need to invest in influencer marketing ourselves in order to help people who are actively and proactively looking for live streaming solutions right now to learn about us and to see the benefits of uh, multi-streaming using our solution. So all of a sudden, instead of searching for people for other publishers and other businesses to help them with the promotion products, I started to promote my own product, like my own company. And that was, that was an interesting transition. But where, where I am kind of right now is there are two, two types of influencers I'm looking for, right? So some people are engaged by me to create tutorial videos. So mainly I'm working with YouTubers and other content creators who can just make good video about how to stream uh, to multiple platforms, why to stream to multiple platforms, and then some specific nitty gritties of like, okay, so if you want to stream through Zoom, if you want to stream with guests and you want to invite people for a live show, those kind of things. And another thing is we are working with uh, podcasts and live shows and basically allow them to talk about whatever they want. Like in your case, for example, you guys are talking about uh, sales marketing, about advertising, but we uh, empower you with our tools and we um, basically sponsor you you. So you mentioned us as, as one of your uh, partners and sponsors. So those are the two directions I'm working with right now. They're very different uh, and very interesting, but that is what we determined for ourselves as a good starting point when we realized, okay, we got we to gotta go into that direction. Yeah. And so how do you go about finding the right people? Yeah, that's, that's probably the most loaded <laughs> question <laughs> in influencer marketing world that you can possibly ask how do you where do you get started and how do you find the right person the answer is from my perspective is um it's a trial and error for sure there is no formula that is going to apply to everybody and it's going to work uh perfect from day one you are going to screw up and you just need to be ready for that you are going to contract and hire people who will not do the quality of work that you expected and then all of a sudden you will stumble upon amazing people who bring so much value, who are creating wonderful content and have great community and audience that is just right for you uh, because you were like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give this guy a try. So that, that's one of those things that, that you, get, you just have to face. Yeah, it's not going to be straightforward. It's very difficult to figure out in advance. What I would recommend to get started with is to understand who is your target customer. Of course, kind of common sense thing. Who are you going after? And for Restream, it's a very interesting problem to solve because we are at the same time a B2B company. So we could work with game publishers. We could work with marketing agencies. We could work with corporations like Cisco and Microsoft who would utilize us for their live streaming needs. And at the same time, we could work with individual content creators, a gamer who wants to stream their live stuff, a person who is building their personal brand, a live show, uh, a career coach, who, like you name it, right? So those are very different types of people. And when you are looking for influencers, you want to find someone who is creating content that is followed and listened by those communities and those audiences that you're trying to convert eventually into your customers. 
And the question number one is, yes, what's your priority? If your priority is business and B2B um, relationships, well, then find someone who is podcasting or streaming or creating YouTube content for, for the, those people specifically. If you are in a situation like Restream, when you have a massive variety, well, then prioritize, figure out who, what are the top five categories that you really want to cater to, and then diversify your influencers. Make sure that you have a fitness trainer guy who talks about how to stream training sessions and a bunch of other fitness trainers are listening to him. Make sure you have people who create content for churches. If church is part of your uh, target audience and then make sure that you have podcasters on LinkedIn who cater to business community and professionals so they would learn about the product as well. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think it's like, it's such a, as you said, it's a loaded question, right? Because there's a billion ways to find people too. And I think, do you know, I think that's maybe one of the reasons why people struggle with influencer marketing to a point is that um, there are so many options. Because like, I know even from the conversations that you and I have had about like how we work together. And then the more I started to think about this for I think I said to you a couple of weeks ago that I'm thinking, oh, I found, this is a good example. So I found a YouTube channel to help me use Notion because we started using Notion a couple of weeks ago at like within Hey Digital, our agency for all of our like storing of our processes and like central repositories and hubs and whatever. And I found this, this YouTube channel. I can't remember the name off the top of my head actually, but I, I subscribed to it. But anyway, I found this YouTube channel where it was all about like different productivity tools and how to use them. And then they had like a Facebook group all about Notion and everything else. And I was thinking in my mind, okay, one of the clients that we work with that we run ads for is a like, is a platform that helps you with your productivity. It's like a combination of task management, time tracking, invoicing, everything all in one. And I was like, oh damn, this would be a really good opportunity for for them to like talk to this person and their community about how they could do something together. And it, it got my like wheels turning about all the different routes to go down. And then, like you said, there's podcasts, there's people doing live streams, like so many angles. I think that's maybe a challenge for people getting started. It's like, where, like, where do we begin when there are so many options? Right. And I don't think it's something that we can even just solve just through like talking through because it's so unlimited and vast that you're not going to figure out until you test a few of these different routes. I want to talk a little bit though about, um, it's not necessarily directly measuring ROI just yet because I want to get to that later, but I think this leans in kind of nicely is like when you're working with influencers or looking at influencers, I think a challenge that I would get from companies that we work with is, okay, how do we, how do, everyone always wants to track ROI, right? Like even from our paid ads campaigns, they're like, okay, how do we measure exactly how much revenue that's generated? But at the same time, people are aware of, okay, we can't always track absolutely everything because we might have the impact of, for example, someone might listen to this podcast. They might see my live stream and they're gonna, if someone watches my live stream or sees my podcast, they're gonna know about Restream. Um, but not all of those people are gonna click my specific link that's trackable for Restream, right? Some of them are going to search for Restream on Google and come through organically. Some will just go direct to the Restream website. Some might have already been aware of you guys, but then they might see this and it might prioritize them to go back. But how do you even think about measuring success for these kind of campaigns when there are so many like variables in mind? Are you breaking down, okay, some campaigns we're working on where we're purely focused on like, the numbers of people that are clicking through on the link and that are signing up. Are there some way you're looking at, okay, we can do like a report at the end of the work with the influencer and see, okay, their posts were seen by this many people. And we try and calculate some kind of brand awareness off the back of that. Like how, how do you figure all that kind of stuff out? Cause I imagine that's pretty hard, right? 
It is. It is very hard. And especially like you mentioned that not everything is trackable in the world of reach and engagement and uh, brand awareness, right? Those are not necessarily conversions and, and pay-per-click things in, in their nature. And it's funny that you mentioned that your customers in, your, in the advertising space are also asking for like, oh, how do we get guarantees? From my experience with game publishers, when we were working on restream advertising and influencer marketing with our network, I, I used to have that conversation all the time and people would be like, well, yeah, so how, how does your campaign compare to pay-per-click? Right. So we know exactly what happens when we run an ad on Facebook or, or Google ads. And then how, how, how does that compare? Like, what is the price per view? What is the price per click? And it was always very interesting for me to tell them, well, yeah, I mean, it's a different type of advertising. It's a different type of engagement. How uh, the, the best way to think about it is to shift your focus from very trackable and measurable you know, internet uh, tech advertising to something similar to events maybe. When you create um, an event or when you uh, set up a booth at the convention where you think a lot of people uh, from your industry are going to show up, you don't get to know how many people passed by your booth, how many people glanced at your logo and how many people remembered like, oh yeah, that's, that's, a, great, um, that's a great microphone. Yeah, I should definitely check yeah. them out. Oh, that's great coffee. I should definitely buy it next time. So there is a little bit of this, you, you got to trust the system and you got to trust that yeah people will see you and that awareness eventually will work out but at the same time it is hard to allocate budgets for something that like well yeah people will talk about us and we'll see what happens right that's that's not a conversation that any marketing manager wants to have with their uh senior <laughs> management like oh yeah i'm just gonna you know drop some money and see what happens so there are ways to measure. For me personally, I do um, include referral links and I am a big believer that referral links that benefit the, the person, the influencer, if they get some kind of perks and some kind of incentives from sharing that link and encouraging the community to specifically use that link in order to sign up versus just looking at this and saying, yeah, 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 I'll check it out later. That helps to get those views and those conversions more trackable. On the other hand, of course, you can always measure the views. If that's a video, if it's a podcast, you can also request some analytics and some stats. That is helpful to kind of see like, okay, how many people were engaged in this? How many people we interacted with? And then another thing is just completely independent measurement of what's going on with your subscriptions and with your um, signups, for example, if that's, if that's the type of business you're in. Uh, if you started, if you launched two, three campaigns in one month and your signups grew up 0.1%, well, probably you're not doing something right. If your clicks and views are not amazing, but your sales or, can, or signups grew 50%, well, it is possible that that is attribute to, to that campaign. And maybe you should do that again and see next month if that does the same thing. So there's a little bit of guessing game here, for sure. There's a lot of assumptions in that. But you can always also evaluate the quality of content. Like, and that's one thing that I do myself a lot with my influencers. I personally watch the videos that they created. I personally listen to podcasts and live shows that people who we work with produce. And my um, intuition and my sense that, okay, this is good content. Uh, this might be evergreen. People might come back and listen to this later. People might not click it today and people might have not watched this in, in the number of thousands, but this is content that is potentially going to continue bringing us value in the future. And that's the type of influencer you want to continue working with. Yeah, that's really good advice. And it's actually interesting because even, even within what we do, like I know you were talking earlier about PPC metrics being so clear, 
but also to be totally honest, like they're, they're really not. They are, if you're like in an e-commerce business or you have a product, for example, but like within SaaS, like if I run an ad and someone clicks through from our ad, when we go into the Google Analytics and look at the user flow and the user journey and knowing what SaaS and B2B is like, people, people like if, if you're advertising a $300 a month software or something like that, like someone's not gonna see an ad, click on it and make a decision instantly. So it's like they're, right. they're taking eight to 10 visits to convert sometimes and they'll look at a blog post, they'll look at something else, they'll look at something else. So it can be difficult to track that across anything. I think one thing that's super interesting to me with like influencer projects is I, I'm starting to see that I think even if the volumes, like for example, if you ran an influencer campaign at SaaS business and you like saw the numbers and you're like slightly disappointed maybe because we didn't see a ton of clicks on the link that we shared with the influencer or whatever else. It's like, there's so many other metrics to be thinking about and looking at, but I'm seeing that I think the people that are taking an interest in like streams or podcasts tend to be so much more engaged or are so much more engaged than someone that just sees an ad on their newsfeed where they're seeing loads of ads all of the time. Because like for a perfect example is just before you and I jumped on this call, I received a message from someone on LinkedIn and I'm actually just going to, I'm grabbing it up right now. Is this guy called Kartik. So he might be listening to this at some point. I don't know, but I'm checking. And the last time we messaged each other, was in 2017 and we haven't spoken since 2017 right and he just messaged me today saying that he's just about to start a new role i won't name the company because i should be careful there because i don't know if it's like public knowledge yet but he said i'm just starting a new role and he wanted to reach out because he's been really enjoying watching the linkedin live sessions and it's like I would never have even found out about that. How many other people are there like Kartik that are like watching those, right? That are then going to be hearing about, in this case, Restream or in other people's cases, like other businesses. And it shows that those people are like, are engaged viewers. And also, as you said earlier on, if someone, if someone is recommended something by someone that they trust or follow, that is worth so much more than an ad being served to them in a newsfeed, right? So it's like, I know it's challenging. I know that some people will be listening going like, ah, oh, it's still so challenging because I don't have any clear, clear like black and white numbers. But I, I think just to iterate that to everyone that you're never going to have a hundred percent clear numbers for anything within the space. Cause how do you value brand and brand awareness as well? That's the other thing. It's like, there's if someone, if there's like 20,000 people that have watched someone's content over the last 30 days or whatever, or however many hundreds or thousands have watched these videos, or whatever it might be, it's like there's a significant value on that as well, but you can never figure out exactly what that is down to the exact like dollar amount, you know? So yeah, it's something that's fascinating for me. I'm sure you must have this conversation with people all of the time. So it's like, yeah, it's, it's challenging. Yeah, but- I- I agree. I think, I think marketing is gen, in general is not about guarantees at all. It is about trial. It is about being creative. It is about trying something different or doing things differently. So, and that's, I think, the beauty of, of that industry. And that's the beauty of that creative profession. No matter what you do, no matter how ticky you get in marketing, you're still, you're still an explorer. You're still someone who is just trying and, and, mixing things up and seeing, okay, so if I do this and, and if I do that, what happens? And then sometimes you make conclusions based on your observations and, and they might be wrong. Maybe, maybe that is not completely not what led to those conversions or those uh, you know, successful outcomes. So I think it's important to remember when it comes to working with influencers that the, and especially when it comes to the context of live video, that the beauty of live video, aside from the the authenticity aspect that you mentioned, you know, you show up, you, you become vulnerable because guess what? You can't edit these things out. You can polish them. You just have to 
run with, with the flow and deal with whatever happened while, while you exposed yourself. But also it's interactive. And I am a firm believer that someone who saw a wonderful, perfectly made and perfectly designed ad will still have less connection with the brand and product uh, versus the person who showed up on the stream when someone was talking about this product and how to use it and, uh, and the whys behind it, like why you want to use this. Mm-hmm. Asked their question, got that question answered got highlighted and actually called out like, hey, uh, hey, Dylan, thanks for this question. This is a great, this is a great comment. This is great value. Let me show you what I think about this. Let me show you how I apply this in my day-to-day life and my work. Uh, and I believe that that builds that relationship with a customer that will not only turn it into a person who will click and potentially pay, but turn it into someone who would be truly engaged and truly interested in trying a product and making it work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's super, that's super interesting, actually. So let's, I, I know we could talk about this, like for a very, very long time, but right. I want to like bear in mind, uh, people listening and how, how long they tend to listen for, but I do really want to ask you this. So you've worked with like, I don't know whether it's hundreds or thousands of like influencers and on influencer campaigns through the variety of different ways that you talked about earlier on. Maybe you could share what's like maybe one or two things that people should, I guess, like either look out for. Or, or you would say working well for you at the moment within influence marketing? Because there's so many like niches within influence marketing, right? Like podcast hosts, live streams, like all these other things, like different types of content, instructional videos versus standard like sponsorships. Maybe you could share, yeah, like one thing to look out for and one thing that's working well for you at the moment. I think that would be really useful for everyone listening or watching to this. Yeah, absolutely. For one thing that's working well and a very common mistake for a lot of uh, people who are just kind of getting started with influencer marketing that I want to give a warning about. There is this uh, misconception that the best influencer that you can potentially hire or interact with is the biggest influencer. So the guy with the biggest number of followers, with the biggest number of clicks and views on their YouTube channel and comments and whatnot on their piece of content is the guy. And a lot of people fall into that trap. And, And because of that, that market is so saturated and kind of exploding in terms of prices that you sometimes get from those big celebrity level YouTubers and uh, content creators, because people just fall for that shiny thing, that millions of, of subs. And that's just such a beautiful thing for a lot of people because they think that translates into subscriptions, that translates into conversions. And it is not, not at all. And that's my personal experience and it's experience with a lot of other people that I worked with. Your best influencer is the one who gets your product who genuinely enjoys and understands what you're trying to do and who has the audience that cares about what he does. Not because he is big, not because he is uh, he's a celebrity and he's famous, not because everyone else is following that person, but because I personally care about what this person has to say about gear for streaming or about uh, sound or about software equipment that I, would, I could utilize to make my work more productive. And that is your best type of influencer. So that, that's definitely what worked for us in the past when we would engage medium-sized and sometimes even micro-influencers uh, get way better outcomes than when we would pay tens of thousands of dollars for some celebrity top-level channels. And then, yeah, we would get a ton of views. We would get a ton of traction. And it's a really cool thing to throw in your Slack you know, right. oh, look at this wonderful thing for your team. Like, oh, look who, who I signed up to promote Restream does not necessarily translate into relationships and commercials that you expected uh, them, uh, them to build for you. So that's one warning and one would work for, for me thing at the same time. And the other part of the question, 
Do you remind me? What was that? <laughs> I think you kind of answered both of them because it was like, what's yeah. the thing that's like working well for you at the moment? Yeah. Something that people should be like wary of or think about and be careful with. And you kind of like combined it into two. And I think it. Yeah. Yeah. Because the size of influencer is a big one. Well, another thing to watch out for is most influencers who are confident that they can do the work for you and are genuinely interested in your product would not go crazy about pay me money right now in advance and then maybe I'll start doing things for you. So that's basically a warning sign for me. Most of the time I would prefer to talk to influencers who are already familiar with our product and not be like, okay, if you if you pay me one thousand dollars, I'll check out your your thing. So that's, that's not the kind of relationship you probably want. So someone who's already familiar and then someone who is um, flexible in terms of, okay, well, let me give it a try. Let's, let's do a month off and see how that goes. Uh, a person who is also aware that your product might not work with their audience and community, not because your product is bad or they are bad. It's just because it's not a good fit. Mm -hmm. So people who understand all those things and who are uh, willing to work with you and willing to give the, the whole relationship a benefit of a doubt, generally much more kind of reasonable and, and end up being much more effective. Yeah, that's really good advice. Thank you so much for like sharing all of this stuff. Because I feel like influence marketing is one thing that I, I like to think I understand, but there's still so much to learn. And I think it's, we would be the same for like 90% of people listening to this. So hopefully this has given them uh, a bit more of an insight as to at least to get them to start thinking about how they can leverage it within their businesses. And uh, hopefully listening to you and Restream's story and hearing me talk about it recently, hopefully it's going to encourage some of them to, um, to start doing or at least testing with how they can integrate live content into their into their like day to day too. I've shared already on the live stream series, a few examples of really good examples of live content that B2B businesses are doing and SaaS companies are doing. So I know that people listening to this will have heard of those already, but if anyone like listening wants some more thoughts or has any questions, they can just reach out to me directly. And I'm sure like, I'm sure you'll be okay if someone has a question about influence marketing for them to like connect with you too, right? Maybe on LinkedIn. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I definitely welcome everyone who has a question. How do I do it for me? Anyone who was listening to this and thinking like, oh, I can probably do that for you. I can probably you know, help to spread you know, Restream love into my community. Definitely hit me up. I'll be happy to chat. Awesome. Yeah, and I'll make sure I put your LinkedIn and everything in the show notes so everyone will just see that in podcasts or wherever they're listening. Um, cool. I think that's a perfect time to wrap up. So Anya, thank you so much. It's been really fun. I, I appreciate it. And uh, thanks for coming and sharing so much useful stuff with everyone listening. Great chat. Thanks for having me.